Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC Studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast post-Texas Bowl. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, here in the GPC studios. No Ryan Gills Gilbert. He's with family this weekend. He went to the lake, apparently? He went, he went to the that's lake. that's right. Yes, he's at the lake. He's at a lake home in freezing cold weather. See, uh, I didn't think when he said he was at the lake, or you said he was at the lake, it wasn't suspicious until Fitz said, in winter? And I was like, yeah, it is a little sus. So my theory that I shared in our little text group his family is going to have him baptized in freezing cold water to get out the demons. He needs it. He needs it. Oh, well, we all agree on that. If we got someone on from his other employer, they too would agree. They too would understand that he needs demons exercised from him. Exercised? Mm-hmm. I don't... Ex- exorcised. Okay. There you go. Exorcised. Exercised. It's all... Midwest, run it all together. Okay. Italian. Situation. Situation. Situation man had a nice night the other night. Uh-huh. He sure did. It was a good situation to have Colin Klein calling plays. We're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's a new year. That means all your liquor's gone. Did you know that? Your liquor expires after New Year's Eve. Might as well get rid of it and go to the fridge and get all new liquor. It's science. You got to trust it. The fridge at the corner of this and that in the town in which we live. Um, and we're segment sponsors again are Tanners and uh, the High Low. Zach, how long do they leave the High Low Christmas decoration up? I, I assume it's gone. I don't think they take them down. Still if you have a bingo chart of the questions podcast, you have to have Fitz mentioning the Christmas decorations at the High Low. I believe this is about four or five oh, it's so episodes good. in a row. So but I mean, it's December. I mean, it was December. The last podcast, they were still up. I our, feel like they probably. Took I think them down they're down. I think yeah. they're down. They're not down at our house. Nope. Mm. I left town for five nights. Five nights, and and the wife left the tree up. I think she wanted me just to feel the holiday spirit when I returned. Very nice. I felt like a nap. Is all I felt like. What a trip, Zach. Yeah. So, my theory on the hotel in which we stayed, it was not a Hilton property. That's a problem with me. I felt like it was sort of like our rooms were kind of club fetish. Like if you do go to minimum security, you get a little room and you get a TV in it and you get a, your own bathroom. Oh, club fed. Yeah. That's not what I heard. Oh, what, I, do I want to know what you heard? Uh, Me and Zach were okay, on the same okay. wavelength. Cole and I have our minds in the gutter. Oh, fetish, not fed-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was like, uh, wow. where are you going with that? That is much different. 
Uh, but yeah, it started to feel like a prison. It was small. It was oddly arranged. There was no place to hang yourself, which I began to think about. There was Jeez. no, there was no closet. There was no closet. There was no dresser. There was a closet with a little. It was a very. It was it a, dor- a closet. It, it was, was a, a. It was a dorm room closet. It was a cubicle with a place to hang five things and a curtain to cover it. That's oh, yeah. a closet. That's not a closet. It's good enough. Anyway, it was a it was a good trip. Uh, it was nice to see K State play well in a bowl game for the first time in eh, roughly ten years. Right, Buffalo Wild Buffalo Wings, Wild Wings bowl. bowl 2013. Yeah, jeez, that has almost been that is almost crazy. Been and they played seasons. exceedingly well. I'm sure we got questions about that. I'm sure we got questions about Ryan Gilbert and what's wrong with him. I'm sure we got questions about uh, basketball. No, we're not. No, I don't think no, so. No, there we we have ignored. Look, we don't know. The basketball questions are out due to COVID-19 protocols. Right. The the questions for basketball have COVID-19. There's a game within 24 hours of us recording this. So we're not going to address basketball. They don't have many players. They don't have – they've got one coach left. They should just forfeit. I'm telling you. Or they – they should Shut just lie. The they should just freaking lie and say we're short on – we don't – this guy tested positive too. We don't have any coaches and uh, we can't play. This is absurd. This is crazy. Here we go. Your questions from All Bash Station. First question from Eric Ema, new subscriber, nice. new to the podcast, so that welcome nice. aboard. What was the one thing from the bull trip that was most memorable? Um, so we land. Um, we're We're – on time, basically. Now, I guess we were a couple hours late. We were a couple hours delayed at, yeah. in uh, DFW. So th- let's back up here. We saw the storm coming for the morning that we were supposed to fly out of Kansas City. We decided to bump up a day. We paid to change our flight earlier. Um, and we got out on time. But now we weren't on a direct flight. We flew through DFW, and we had to wait, and that kind of sucked. Anyhow, we get into Hobby, Houston Hobby. It is like Love Field, basically, in Dallas. It's Southwest and a few other airlines. And, yeah. But it's, you know, the big one's Bush. And, um, but this one, uh, yeah. Um, this one's a smaller airport. Smaller selection at National Rental Car. Okay. I will pay extra for the Emerald Isle. If you're not familiar, you walk up. They've got a selection of cars there. They're at least midsize and above. You pay for a midsize, but you might get an SUV, which we did. We got an SUV. We got a smaller SUV, but what was it? It was, it was a, a Blazer. It's a Blazer. It's a base model Blazer. It was a, it was a Blazer. It was a fine. It was okay. It was good. Fine vehicle. It's going to be good for five days. We head out of Houston Hobby. Now, first of all, the roads leading out of Houston Hobby are among the worst I've ever seen. They were unbelievably bad. Just surface roads, not the highway. We finally get on the highway. We're heading towards our hotel. We're all hungry. We're tired. We just want to get there. And we are on the highway for about three minutes. Basically. We pass an exit. I I hear it. And there's fireworks going on all over the place because it's New Year's Eve. Houston was a free fire zone. I mean, like Zach said, I've never seen so many fireworks just yeah. randomly around the town. But I heard it, and I mean, it was just a pop. A brand new tire. This tire was not old at all. Blew out the sidewall. A blowout on an, on a busy, busy road. It posted sixty miles an hour. It's Houston. Everyone's doing about seventy five, eighty. Luckily, I was still in the right lane. 
pulled off. We drove the car off the highway down an embankment of grass embankment to the access road that we just had passed the exit to onto it into some shady hotel. And but it was incredibly well lit. It was. It was all good. It was perfect for changing a tire at night. And my compliments to Mike Go Go Gonzi Goins. He hopped in, and once we found all the tools needed to change the tire, because it was, you know, it's a different car, and you know everything. Man, he NASCAR'd that thing. Didn't he? I was impressed how fast. For, it was like 15 minutes. Did you take it back? So we call, yeah. we call National, and they go, hey, if you want to do an exchange, we need you to go to Bush. We're five, ten minutes away from Hobby. Now we got to go 30 minutes to Bush. Okay? We do. We get up there. Was there a planes, trains, and automobile no. uh, moment coming? No. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, it drove wonderful it. on the donut. It had the little tire. Drove wonderful. And we get to Bush, and they're wonderful. Once they get through their line and they help us, they go, yeah, just go pick a car. And I go, off the Emerald Isle? And she goes, no, nah, just go ahead and executive if you want, which is you know, a step above. We get a car that I didn't know existed. Hyundai uh, Palisade. Hyundai Palisade. It is an upper end SUV and it was sweet. It was great to drive until we drove over a nail at the University of Houston and had our second freaking flat tire of the trip. This time we're in a parking lot at the football field. This is the open practice or the at the indoor. It is freezing cold. Mike go, go, go and does it again. We drive they sent us to Hobby this time, and we ended up in a Ford Edge. And it was awful. But its tires worked. So out of the entire trip, that's what I remember the most. You know what Gonzi's going to remember most? What? Getting locked out of his hotel room <laughs> for a night. I'm telling you what, there was some bad mojo going on on this trip. I'm so glad they won. We get back from that same practice, right? Or was it? Uh, it was the next the night. The next night, I think. Next night. We all had separate rooms because one of us had had symptoms, so we all were separated. And he goes to his room. His key won't work. Okay, that's fine. That's all happened to us. We forgot a key. The key doesn't work. Goes down the front desk. New key doesn't work. Front desk comes up. It's not his key. It's the actual thing. The, the breeder is broken, and she can't open the door. So they gave him another room for the night. All of his stuff is in the room, except for his phone and the two waters. Well, let's let's back up. He we got back. He went into his room, came back across the hall to get waters because I we had bought a flat of waters, and then it stopped working. So in like a thirty second span, it stopped working. So he had his phone and two waters and had to go up and sleep somewhere else. And they got him in at eight a.m. It was this trip was a you know what show. But the team won, and that's really all that matters. And we flew back. Everything was flawless coming back, right? We didn't have any problems coming back. I uh, dozed off for a split second between downtown Topeka and Wanamaker, so I had to make a stop. <laughs> oh, we were pretty tired. It was a split second, I, and like that's I realized feeling. it. I was like, oh, I fell asleep for a split second. Because I was on like two hours of sleep. Yeah, we were we were all about two hours of sleep. We got back from the stadium past one, and we still weren't wor done working. We had to leave for the airport at six forty-five. So, yeah, that's a long way of saying, in my entire life up to this trip, I'd had one flat tire while I was in the car. I mean, 
My car, I had a tire slashed in Aggieville because that just happens when you park over there overnight. But, you know, they came and fixed it. And only one time I had a blowout going to a Big 12 media event in, at, at Sprint Center years ago. That's it. I had two on this trip. Bad mojo. So that's it. Uh, but it was uh, the Rodeo Bowl was a blast. On the high side, it really is. If, if K State goes back to the road or goes back to the Texas Bowl, and the Rodeo Bowl, which was closed to the public this year because of the Omicron variant, um, go to that. It it was genuinely entertaining. It was fun. Yeah. Well, K-State didn't win the Rodeo Bowl, but they did win the Texas Bowl. And they ruined that stat yeah. that they love saying. About whoever wins the Texas Bowl wins the Rodeo Bowl? Wins the Rodeo Bowl, wins the Texas Bowl. Yep. Well, Eric Emaw asks once again, where does this win rank in the program's history of bowl wins and games? Mm. It's got to be a top five bowl win, right? I don't know. It felt There's only big. 10 of them. It's crazy to say, but there's I mean, it's only the 10th one. The right? Copper Bowl was so important. The Fiesta Bowl was so important. The Cotton Bowl over Tennessee. I would put, I don't know. Is it weird to say that this is the Maybe. most, the biggest bowl win that I can remember in my well, the la- wasn't the last in my win, life? The 2013 Buffalo Wild Wings? That no, was they the won the Texas Bowl. Last, oh, that's well, right. it's, that's not the last one. The last one was the Cactus Bowl. 17. They beat UCLA. Oh, that's right. This is bigger than all of those games. I think. This, this was bigger. This is the biggest one since <coughs> the Holiday Bowl in 2002. Who did K-State play after they beat Michigan the next year? That was when they... UCLA in the Alamo Bowl. Yes, they made a, they made a pretty big-time bowl game the next year. Yeah. The Alamo, Alamo Bowl. I think... Because they were battling for the conference championship pretty much for the entire season that year. <laughs> I think you can make some comparisons yeah. to to that. I mean, it's a little different though because you're not Jake Waters bringing first back. Year. Yeah, you're not bringing back a quarterback like you were Jake Waters. You're not bringing back a quarterback like El Roberson. But that's kind of the similar feel. It feels like a stepping stone. Yeah. Bowl game victory. And that's that's really my answer. Give me some time. Uh, let's let's see what happens over the next year or two. If this really does catapult K State into good things for next year, then it's really significant. I mean, I loved that win over Michigan in the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl as a recent bowl victory. It was dominating. It was fun. It was a reminder, kind of, of this game. But. Um, didn't add up to much in the long term. I mean, the program was still declining after that, thanks to, you know, kind of recruiting. And we'll see where this leads. I mean, that's really what's important. What does this mean for the program over the long haul, not just the win? Because, I I mean, we're all going to have to re- balance the reality that you beat LSU, but, you know, it was a depleted team. Isn't it the fashion, though, that they beat them? I think that's what makes people so excited, is that the fact that they had yeah. an an interim offensive coordinator who's now full-time offensive coordinator at the time. You come in and you run a same offense, but it looks completely different. And you just you beat the doors off of somebody. That was their biggest win. They didn't even beat KU like that. That that was their win. Where that that was the most dominant they have looked all season. All season. I don't even oh, think I it's agree. close. I and agree. so I think then that is why this win feels bigger. It doesn't matter. Like we talked about, it doesn't matter who it was. They could have played, uh, you know, Central Michigan. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but, you know. NC State. Sure, NC State. Even though NC State was pretty good this year. 
we'll say Mississippi State or somebody like that. I thought we were picking picking teams that didn't play in bowls or had to move bowls, but okay. Sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know, they could have beat anybody like that, and I think people would still be excited. So, yeah, I think in my lifetime as oh, a 22-year-old, <laughs> this is the biggest bowl win that well, K-State's had. I, what made this different than any other recent K-State victory is they didn't take the third quarter off. I mean, that was there was a consistency to the play calling that we haven't seen. I don't know why the team would come out under Courtney Messingham so flat in the third quarter, but K-State scored, I believe, on its first possession with Deuce Vaughn. Um, and then they came back early in the fourth quarter. I mean, first play of the fourth quarter, Deuce scored again for on a pass. So essentially they scored. They had two scoring drives in the third quarter. That I don't think that happened. Certainly no touchdowns. <clears throat> I mean, they finished off all the drives. Let's put this into context. They They not only went on sustained drives – all of those drives got finished off with touchdowns. They had one long field goal attempt, which, which honestly I think was just letting Ty Zittner take a swing at something. But, yeah, I, I don't know. This is, was a good win. I liked it. Every single drive went past the 50-yard line. Incredible. That hasn't happened all year. There's no way. I don't, know, I don't know the last time that has happened besides it's tough to do. FCS school maybe. Um, next question from KNED. While nothing can compare to what the Copper Bowl meant and there is no telling what happens from here – but did this feel a little like the copper? Did this feel a little copper bullish in terms of cementing momentum of fan engagement with the climbing era? That's a great point. That's the biggest thing that came out of the copper. Well, it wasn't just the win; it was the whole thing put together. The number of people who traveled, and there was a lot of K Staters at this game. <clears throat> Not like the Copper Bowl; it wasn't forty thousand or thirty thousand. I don't know whatever if it, exaggerated number of crossing the state lines. Yeah, had at, te- at the Texas Bowl listed fifty-two thousand for capacity or for attendance. I don't buy that number. <laughs> that had one to be bit sold. That had yeah. to be t- because I mean we had the upper deck our- was empty. Yeah, I mean, if that was fifty-two thousand, that or that stadium seats two hundred and fifty thousand. I mean, it was oh, there was so much open space between seats. It didn't look bad on TV. No, it the well, K State side looked. K State was on the TV side, mm-hmm. and it looked a lot more full than what the LSU side was. But that the nature of this question kind of gets back to my point: the Copper Bowl set the program in motion. It really galvanized a relationship between fans and a coach. And I think we might be there. I think fans got a better glimpse of Chris Kleiman this year. I mean, the first season was the first season. It was like a first date. You know, I kind of like this guy. I don't know. If we're, then, then, oh, he was sick all year, basically. I mean, you know, we last year was such a weird year. I think this year we got a better feel for him. It felt more let's, – let's be blunt here. K-Staters know one coach that delivered for them. And so anything outside of that, even if you're winning, anything outside of that feels abnormal. This year felt very normal until the Texas game because Bill Snyder had a knack for beating everyone he should beat and then rising up and getting some teams. This year for 11 games, that's exactly what happened. They beat everyone they should beat. The better teams got them, and then Texas happened. And that's. But this felt tangible. It felt like momentum. It felt galvanizing for the locker room and the relationship between program and fans, which, as I've said many times, has not been the same since the Vanderbilt game. It just hasn't. That's exactly where I was going to go. Yeah. I feel like right now, this win is the counterpoint to that Vanderbilt loss. The Vanderbilt loss, there was just kind of this deflation of the fan base 
and just of the team. And it just, there was just kind of this valley out that just, it felt like K-State football wasn't as important or as exciting anymore. And I feel like this Texas Bowl win going into the 2022 season, I feel like that excitement that everyone felt going into that Vanderbilt game and traveling to that and just, you know, before being let down, I feel like there's this momentum of excitement you know, for the program. And I think it really did galvanize Chris Kleiman with the fan base. Well, I will tell you that I don't think anyone would have predicted this was going to happen. If you guys remember at that press conference, when Chris Kleiman asked everybody, and I'm asking you, I'm asking you, we need to, we need, I need to be more positive. We need to be more positive. And I'm asking you that clip that went viral on Twitter where half of the K-State fan base was ready to say, oh, we're done. I mean, people were like, fire Chris Kleiman on Twitter. And I understand that Twitter and message boards and all that is not just the only pulse of the fan base. And I get that. But the fact that there were people out there that were ready ready and willing to talk about that, and those same people now are – they're bought back in. Yeah. They're sold in. I mean – you know, we can. I'm going to take that comment for what it was worth, but that was the lowest that K State was this season, and I don't think many people expected them to win eight games after that press conference. No, so I do think that K Ned makes a really good point here. Uh, next question comes from Contra Cat. Very good question here. Let's play some alternate timeline history where K State doesn't lay an egg at Texas offensively and eke out a win by three. Would you rather have a Garnered a bid to the Orlando's Cheese Cracker Bowl <laughs> versus Clemson with the sputtering offense having kept mess and possibly still have him, or play the Texas Bowl versus LSU with Colin Klein's audition and results. Let me t- let me just say this, um, and I don't I don't mean to sound like a Garth Brooks song here, but sometimes the best things to happen to you are the things you don't want. I know it better than anyone. Sometimes the worst things in life, actually, you can find light in it, benefit from it. And this might be one of those cases. I don't want this to turn into a Courtney Messingham bash. I I love Courtney. He's a great guy. I mean, I I know some people in the program thought he was kind of a jerk. Every time I was around him, he was great. I I did uh, one of our power chats with him, and he was awesome. He was great. I mean, he's a little on the dry side, but, you know. I thought he was a kind, intelligent man, and so I don't want this to be a bash. But I think fans had been really discouraged if Courtney had called just a good enough game to beat Texas to survive, moves on, because they would have lost to Clemson. Yeah. And I'll just say this. I said, told Zach this. I think if Courtney called that game in Houston, K-State wins by 7, 10. They win. That was a— that was a depleted team. We, we got to admit that. It was. I mean, it was a team they were presented to play, and they played them, and they beat them. But his inconsistent play calling, his lack of ability to build things and certainly be creative on third down, which we saw firsthand, with a little creativity and positivity on third down, made a world of difference. They picked up third down after third down. Um yeah, so this might have been the best best thing to happen. You got a great name brand. wasn't Clemson. I get it. But historically, probably LSU's a better name brand, historically, over the entire lifetime, because it is an SEC program. Clemson was down this year from what they had been. ACC sucked. Um, so this worked out well for K-State. It really did. And, and I'll say this. 
If you were, I think Contra Cat probably should have thrown this in here to this question. And so I'll ask you guys this. But let's say in option A at the Cheese Cracker Bowl, if K-State were to somehow. I love that. Yeah. If, if Chris Kleiman were to somehow get dumped with cheese crackers at the end of that game and they beat Clemson with Courtney Messingham at offensive coordinator, would you rather have that or would you rather have what happened with LSU? Because my answer, wildly enough, is is still going to be the same. The LSU is still going to be LSU because at the end of the day, I think that there's more potential through the overall program with Colin Klein at offensive coordinator than Courtney Messingham there. Again, I echo everything well, that you said, Fitz, but I mean the difference between eight and nine wins, like I understand Chris Kleiman said after the game, oh, seven and six is better than eight, eight you know, is, is not as good as eight and five. And he's totally right. Right. It was it's a significant step up to go from seven to eight wins. But you look for two years from now, two, three years from now, if Colin Klein has the offense rolling Right. Courtney Messingham was ine- inevitable. He was a lame duck. At some point, yeah, was this gonna was going to happen. So I think it was best that what happened happened. K State, you know, finished with eight wins, and realistically, they were going to have eight wins anyway. Mm-hmm. If they would have, they were going to lose to Clemson ninety nine percent of the time. They were going to have eight wins. So they got eight wins this way, and I I would rather have I think the result that happened. Beating Clemson. I think the problem that that would have created would have been next year you go seven and five or you go eight and four and you're like, well, this is kind of a letdown being in the Texas Bowl. Now, when we were in the Cheez-It Bowl next year, it gives at least going to the Texas Bowl, it gives kind of a reasonable progression schedule, at least in the in the mind of the fan, I guess. And even in the, the minds of the team and the players, you know, I was going to say players. Yeah, if if you go to the Texas Bowl, you know, it's a fine bowl, but that should be. You know, overall, that should be kind of the benchmark. Eight and four going, or, you know, seven, five, eight and four going into that game, you know, that should be the average. You know, it, it, going to the Cheese It Bowl and winning that, well, now you got to go better in the regular season, get to the Alamo or the New Year's Six, right. and, you know, doing it with an offensive coordinator that you're going to run into the same problems eventually. I think that the way it turned out, playing in the Texas Bowl and getting a win against LSU, in 10 years, we're not going to remember how depleted they were. You know, no. there were still guys that were able to chase down Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. You know, it, for as good of a game as Deuce Vaughn played, there were times where he looked human. Mm-hmm. There were times. So, you know, I definitely take the second option there, play the Texas Bowl. But also, another thing that isn't mentioned here, if Skylar Thompson plays at Texas, they probably win that game too. Mm-hmm. So, how much of Skylar Thompson's injury against Baylor should we really be giving credit for all oh, this thing for this? I mean, you can go domino effect like crazy on this to, well, get, to with, get to get to where we are. And with with the Messingham situation, you know, playing this hyperbolic game, if if they go to Orlando and play in the Cheez It Bowl, how many guys don't come back next year because they don't want to play in this offense? Yeah, and how true. how many that was guys? Going on. Yeah, how many guys saw the game plan that Colin Klein put together and said, "I want to be here next year," because I think that that, without having any inside information, if guys were on the fence, I would imagine they're probably a little bit leaning more towards staying. So I think that's something to keep in mind. My too. one final point here goes back to the previous question: Orlando, even if it's a win over Clemson, in a regarded as a better bowl game. 
You probably don't have the same bonding experience between the fans and the coaching staff and the team because not as many people would have made it to Orlando. A lot of people would have said, wanted to go, and I'm telling you, you would have looked at those airfares and gone, I'm not going to Orlando. You would have shopped for a hotel and gone, I'm not going to Orlando. You'd realize that a car for three days was going to be $800 or whatever because it's outrageous right now down there. I mean, that's the busiest time in Orlando. I don't care to play in a bowl game at peak season. It's like playing a a bowl game in Breckenridge in ski season. That's essentially what it was. I mean, everyone's in Orlando over the holidays because the kids aren't in school. There was no passes available to go to most of the parks. You had to buy those in advance, and they were all sold out. People would have been really disappointed not gone to that game, and it wouldn't have the same kind of impact. I don't know how many K-Staters were in Houston, 15? I'd probably say a little less than what Dallas was would be my guess. Yeah, it was 15 to 18, but they were great. They were great. It was a great crowd. I think that, yeah, it was an important part of the win. And I'm glad we got a question about that. It was an important part of what took place that bond. And that'll lead some momentum next year. If they go to Orlando, I mean, I think Orlando should be the minimum goal next year. So I think yep. it's a good target to go for. We'll definitely have plenty of times to talk about that. Um, well, Matt Campbell knows about minimum goals. He made it to Orlando. <laughs> oh, we'll get to we'll get to Matt Campbell later. Uh, Contra Cat once again wants to know what are your thoughts on Colin Klein as offensive coordinator becoming official? Oh, he stunk. He was awful. He was horrible. It was uh, uh, what it's it's great. I, I saw Colin after the game on the field and congratulated him, and he was just in tears because of losing Skyler. That's how tight those two guys are. Um, Colin was going to be an offensive coordinator either next year or the year after. It wasn't a matter if he was. It was where he was. He was needing that next step. He's a rising star. I'm very, very happy for him. I mean, if you're a K-Stater and you're in this for the long term, you realize a simple thing. If Chris, after a couple more years, Colin, Colin plays... Even if he's 31, what is he now? How old is Colin? 30, 32, 33? Even if he's 35 years old, I just totally mixed up majors. Even if he's like 35 and the offense has been successful, Chris gets, let's just say, Iowa calls. Kirk Ferentz finally, after 700 years of coaching, <laughs> um, steps aside. Uh, Colin will be that coach. If they're doing well, if the program's doing well and the offense is doing well, that is a no-brainer hire. That you don't look if if your coach is leaving on good terms in terms of the program's thriving, you don't open up a whole search. You do exactly what Notre Dame did. Young guy, it's yours. That's the that's this is really good for the future of K State football. This is really good. He's got a lot to learn about, you know, perpetuating what he did in Houston over the course of a season. I mean, he had a lot of time to prepare. Nineties get in the offseason and put his stamp on the offense. But yeah, I, this is this is really good. Uh, the more coaches that can matriculate through the coaching system that have K State ties is is good for the future of the program. You have options. I mean, if if Chris Kleiman left tomorrow, I think I would say Van Malone needs to be head coach. The program's in good shape. Don't start over. Starting over is really difficult in football. Basketball, not the same. Football, start over in new systems, that can be a challenge. 
So I'm, I'm really pleased for the future because everything just seems to feel right. I hope they go find a very aggressive recruiter at wide receiver coach. They have got to recruit better. They really do. I think this move signifies that Chris Kleiman knows exactly what he needs to do. Because it could have been really easy to say, okay, well, he's the interim, but I kind of already know who I want to hire. I want Matt Wells. He's my friend. I trust him. Chris Kleiman's proven to me that he's willing to make the tough choice. Yep. And I know it doesn't feel to you that Colin Klein was the tough choice. But when he's got a history with a coach like Courtney Messingham, I mean, a, a lifelong history with that individual, and he lets him go, that's brutal. That's tough to do. And to turn around then and say, hey, Matt, I know you're a head coach and you're coming down and you're a great coordinator, but I'm going with my young guy. That's not easy either. There's a sense of of known and unknown in there that had to be a tough calculation. But Colin left it with no room for imagination there. He just There was nothing to think about. And I said it before the game. If Colin stinks, you really can't hire him. But if he's really good, how do you not hire him? And that's exactly what happened. The fact that he's only 32, I mean, there's no way that there has that there's very many coordinators that are younger than him in Power 5. Yeah. We'd have to look that up, but I there mean There are, but yeah, I mean uh, 32 is probably about, you know, give or take two or three, you know, two or three years. There's, I mean, when you consider how old Lincoln Riley was right. when he became a head coach. There's you a know, sense of like, Lincoln Riley for me here. That, you know, a young guy that got the coordinator job and then the oh, then it opened up and they promoted him. I mean, I don't think I don't think Chris is going anywhere. I just don't. I think he's tied here, especially if Gene Taylor's here. He's invested. He said how much he enjoys Manhattan because the people remind him of Fargo. So I think he's set here. I, I don't think anyone's going to call unless the money's just so obnoxious. You know, I and none of us could blame him. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, there's there, there's a sense of a the young upcoming coordinator here. The difference here is I think Colin has a whole hell of a lot more. Um, quality of a personality of individualism of who he is he's a better person lincoln is out for lincoln we pretty much have seen that last question of the first half comes from snare cat three did lsu only agree to play this game in order to get their three and a half hour commercial i feel like a conspiracy theorist but was espn assuring lsu behind the scenes that win or lose this would promote the future of lsu i don't think it was necessarily espn but lsu probably saw it that way hey we can get our head coach on there we can well, have him on the broadcast for a little bit and football's important at lsu it's it's really important. And and I do want to say that a lot of fans have lashed out and been childish and been gross. I mean, just it's some of the stuff that's been said has been just awful. But it's because they're so deeply invested. And I think they know if they had said, we're not playing, it would have pissed off the fans. Yes. Go play. We go football. We go football. I mean, what a fan base. I've I've encountered some bad fan bases in my years. Some troubling fan bases, Colorado and Missouri, most oh, most notably. Yeah, this topped it. And they're, I'm not saying all fans. I'm not. I remember I've said this before. When West Virginia joined the conference, everyone's like, "Oh, they're awful. They're horrible. They're great." I mean, are there individuals? Absolutely. There's always the drunk kid, the drunk guy, the idiot. I guarantee it happens at the bill. That's rude to everyone. It happens. But some of the things being said on the internet and implied about Kansas State 
are ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. They're upset that Kansas State was happy it won a game. I mean, how self-entitled and self-involved is that? Well, even the band playing over the, the trophy ceremony. Oh, my God. That, I was... Your walk and talk was I, it was kind of funny. I, I when you, well, I, I didn't hated really. that. I hated editing it. <laughs> you couldn't hear me. Couldn't hear it. No, uh, did my best. I, I, I mean, I couldn't believe it because I was facing the band and I, I had the stage behind me, and then I realized they have started, and the LSU band didn't do that. Well, I don't know my neck. Well, is no. That your favorite song? No. Is I, that what you're saying? No, they didn't no. do the thing that you like. You see Frank Trace do as they line up to snap the ball. You, yeah, you, you end the music suddenly, which they should have done. But no, they had to finish their little song. God, it was unbelievable. I know there was a question about the stage being set up and K State fans being upset. I I wouldn't feel that way really. It was just the way the the cameras are. Right. If you it's, know, it's face the cameras. You face the cameras. Yeah, it definitely sucked that K State fans couldn't see it, but well, yeah. And I'll say this about the three and a half hour commercial, folks. If you were in Mexico, you had to watch it in Spanish. You didn't get to hear the commercial because it, it was a totally different broadcast, right? It was completely different broadcast. It was two guys that were sitting up wherever they were, commentating the game over the English version. So there would be times when the the commentators would stop talking. And I would hear Brian Kelly. Really? Yes. That's odd. Yes. And I, I shared this before we started recording, but listening to, I would assume, two Mexican gentlemen try to pronounce Daniel Bebe may have been the highlight of the season. <laughs> it's just a beautiful thing. But I'm glad you got into Mexico. You watched the game with a Pacifico in hand. I did. Pacifico on sale at the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast continues after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to this edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. It's 2022, which is with uh, numbers. It's not 2020 also. We don't want that. 2020 also would suck. 2022 is going to be a good year. I feel it in my bones. Yeah, what do I know? Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, no Ryan Gilbert. He's having an intervention with his family. Um, it's about him. I'm sure. I'm sure that's what's going on. Positive. How could they not intervene at some point? Kids out of control. 
two dogs in the Powercat studios here in lovely Manhattan on a Friday. How'd you spend your Friday afternoon? Well, I spent my Friday. You're student teaching now. I woke up at 6.30 this morning. Mm. I went to school. Went to high school. Pack a little lunch. I did pack a lunch. I'm a little hungry right now. Maybe we should go to one of the segment sponsors um, after the podcast is that, over. That'll probably be Tanner's. So that's, uh, and I sat there, and I, and I was just there the whole day, and I listened to history. Mm. It was great. Mm. I'd, like, I'd prefer to teach the future. Soon enough. Okay. We're sponsored by The Fridge, Tanner's. A high low, two dogs, and a partridge in a pear tree. Back to Zach. Hope not, but sorry. Back to Cole. Wildcat Pilot 88 with so, the first question in the second so half. bad at this. How do you think Kleiman compares a bowl win to any of his FCS national championships? He said it was cool, but they really are two different things. I mean, they're just two different things. I mean, winning a national championship, come on, man. That's got to be better than the Texas Bowl. Yeah, I feel like the Texas Bowl's got to be like... A quarter or a semifinal in the FCS playoffs. Maybe a semifinal, yeah. yeah. I think he's just happy for the seniors. I think he was so emotional because he was so happy for the seniors. It's maybe not as much about the bowl win as it is he's happy that his seniors got to go out with the win, specifically yeah. Skylar Thompson. I'll, I'll say this. Um, the Texas Bowl, it goes after the New Year Six Bowls. It goes Alamo, Cheez-It, or the Cheesecracker Bowl, which I love, um, and then the Texas Bowl. Zach, I got the impression, short of one thing, which is a grand organized press conference day, that the Texas Bowl is ready to ramp it up. Absolutely. I got the feeling the Texas Bowl is primed to move into that number one slot if in the new Big 12, the Alamo decides, "Eh, we kind of want to be with the SEC because Texas is there now. The oh, Texas. I thought you were. I thought you were taking it in the direction of a New Year's Six and uh, well, it could and it playoff could. expansion. If they and still expand using the playoffs, bowls. yeah, Texas could be in that. But I just have a feeling, no matter what the future of bowls and the playoff is, the Texas Bowl, particularly in a community like Houston, where you would think, look, Tax Act. I don't know what Tax Act is. Those those guys were around. They were really young. Maybe I don't know what. I I don't know this. Did you not ever see the Tax Act guys? No. Yeah. I, they were at the media day and everything, yeah. There was a guy there. I'm pretty sure. Anyhow, okay. <laughs> um, I just feel like this bowl game could have a huge sponsor. I mean, they could really ramp up what they're doing. And it's all based on payouts. That They don't pick and choose who's the pecking order. You line up by what your payout is, and they're third in the conference now. But I can see them putting the pedal to the metal and saying, you know what? We're going to beat out the Alamo Bowl for that top slot the next time around. It was it was a really, really well-run bowl, with the exception of that not having that grand press conference day, which, honestly, to do our job is needed. Yeah, we Going to a practice was nice, but that is not an ideal setting. But to, being able to get both – coaches in at the same day same press conference and, 15 minutes apart you know it's in it's a clutch. lit yes press conference setting instead of um well, i can't say the word that we call it a, a a group setting um that ends in bang um <laughs> surrounding the coach it it's uh yeah it wasn't ideal my arm about fell off. I was holding two microphones and my phone to record with. One shoulder kept impinging, so I'd switch over to the other one, and then my back would cramp because we had 
two coordinators, Coach Kleiman, two players. So roughly ran about 30 minutes of just standing there on a field. It wasn't a good setting. And in most, you know, at the Liberty Bowl, for all it does wrong, did that right. You had every day you had offense versus defense, defense versus offense. Or did we do offense, yeah. offense, defense, defense? No, it was always flipped. And uh, then, uh, which was good. You can look at the K-State offense against the opposing defense and vice versa. And then the third day you had the head coaches. And and there you had players too. It was good. It was a a great way to do it. Uh, it All coming to your, the media hotel. Take an elevator up or down wherever the ballroom is. Because, yeah, that's all your equipment's there and all that. So, I don't know. Other than that, I think the bowl was great. I thought they did a really wonderful job. The rodeo bowl is really cool. Um, the children's event that took place at practice looked really cool, and we couldn't really do it. I mean, you could film, but they had kids that were off limits, and they were all intermingled in with the kids that just, just it film. wasn't wasn't worth the trouble of publishing a kid that wasn't right. allowed to be published. So, yep. so yeah, I don't know what the question was. I just talked a whole bunch. Yeah, I just <laughs> kind of answered it. We answered it again. Okay. Uh, next question comes from K Ned. So what does it say that Chris Kleiman in a building year where his, his starting quarterback was hurt won eight games and Newt Bear Campbell won seven great seven games with the greatest collection of Cyclone players in program history? <laughs> Bear Campbell. Uh, the Bear Brian of the Corn. Um, yeah, I think it's a positive sign. It's something they can take out on the recruiting trail. Is it a building year? Was it a building? If you have a six-year starting quarterback, is it really well, a building? This is year? why it's a building year, is because last year was such a disaster in terms of the momentum of building a program, of trying to restock the locker room. I mean, this is this rebuild has been about depth, not about a starting quarterback or anything. It's they don't have enough depth, and they're starting to get that. That's how they were able to survive this year because look at all the injuries. I mean, particularly on defense, but they still put out a pretty good product on the field. So, I mean, they played the bowl game without some guys you thought you were going to have. I mean, Timmy Horn goes home because his wife selfishly decided to give birth. The kid's like, I'm more important than football, which he is. John McPherson got hurt in the first quarter. Right. So, I, I'm, yeah, I mean, I just – it was a good year for K-State football. I thought they would be better than predicted. The question is now, will K-State once again be judged by the simple fact that they lost their quarterback, so they must suck? Or will the media go, oh, Adrian Martinez, he's a Nebraska quarterback. We're going to pick K-State third, which I can see happening. Yeah, me too. Not K-State, but because of the Nebraska guy. me too. Does Nebraska get the Texas rub? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm telling you. Speaking of Nebraska, Texas, Casey Thompson to Nebraska. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, well, I thought that's what you're asking. About. No, I'm talking about the media loves Texas, mm-hmm. just like the media loves Nebraska, that's, right? Yeah. Yep. That's the thing I'm looking forward to when, when Texas and Oklahoma are gone. All that Texas media that doesn't care about the rest of the conference will be gone too. But I'm fired up. But yeah, I, I, uh, it's a, it, it probably changed the perception of the course of the program. I, I still think you know we had these conversations after Iowa State beat K State. And honestly, guys, we're sitting around here really worried about the future of the football program because it looked like Iowa State was trending on the up and K-State was, if anything, maybe trending on the down. And I'm still of the belief that recruiting has got to improve because this question is asking about Iowa State. And right now, Iowa State has a better better recruiting class than K-State does. The last two years, they've had better recruiting classes than K-State has had. 
With that being said, the transfer portal changes all of this. It completely changes all of it. We've talked about that. But I also think I'm starting to have questions about Matt Campbell and his ability to coach. Not his ability to recruit, his ability to coach. There's no excuse for going 7-6 and six with this group. There's no excuse. But Chris Kleiman wins at least eight games, at maybe nine, nine, ten games with this group. I, I fully have the belief of that. I tweeted this during the course of the game because I watched the game. I like Iowa State as, as a football program. I like the way they're constructed. I love, you know, they had a running back and a linebacker I loved, and unfortunately they didn't have either one of them at the game. And so I recognize that. But his meltdown with the officials over the What's it, the band playing? Was that what it was? No. Yeah. What was it? it was, I'm getting Gundy confused. Yeah, you're getting Gundy from 2020 confused. No, Gundy did, State. It. Gundy did, he do did it. Again? And it's, yeah, this bowl season, I think it was. Anyhow, whatever he was upset about, they had to burn a timeout mm-hmm. because the coach didn't get the they, – they stopped coaching. They had to burn a timeout. And then they – so it kind of just terminates their momentum, and then they throw an interception. And I'm saying this this temper, this is not the first time his temper has gotten so out of control he can't see straight to coach. Was it the Big 12 championship game last year when he was – got the famous gif where he's like, ah. Yeah, I, it's a problem. He is – I don't – I'm not against coaches yelling and screaming. I mean, I'm not. You need to chew on the officials once in a while. I don't blame him for being upset at anything he's upset about. But he perpetuates it too long. He can't shift that gear back and say, okay, it's time to coach. We've got to lock in. That's called timeout. Boy, they needed that timeout later in the game, and they didn't have it. So I post this, and you would have thought I said something about Matt Campbell's mother, the way Iowa State fans reacted. If you can't see this is a problem, then you really don't know jack crap about football. Thank you, Daphne. Thank you for the emphasis there. It's just incredible. I he is he is a very good coach, but he isn't what Iowa State fans think he is. He isn't. What he is is what we need to see from Chris Kleiman now. He's a great salesman on the recruiting trail. But I think everyone sees now what he's been selling isn't what he's actually doing. Iowa State thinks he's Dave Aranda. Yes, and the second he said championships aren't important, they need to bludgeon him over the head on the recruiting trail with it. All the stuff he emphasized, family and team and locker room and character, all important. But it's not if you're not winning. Your job is to win. And in the process, if you can develop all those things, that's great. Bill Snyder did it. We get that. We get it. We, there, it's possible to win championships, <clears throat> make that very important, and develop character. It's, it, just, it was the most asinine thing I've heard a coach say. Yeah, we, we don't really worry about that. That's your job, man. Your job isn't just to make good young men. It is to win football games and make good young men. Next question comes from Eric Schneid. Looking back at the 2021 season, who on the K-State football team surprised you by their performance and contribution, good or bad? I guess we want to go one good and one bad. Or- nah, mine isn't even like good or bad. It's just I'm surprised going into the season with how much we heard about Will Howard and what his role would be. I was surprised that we never really saw him 
And really, it comes down to when Skyler got injured, the coaching staff probably said, oh, crap, we got to keep Will healthy and, you know, keep him out of danger. But I really would love to know what the plan for Will Howard was going to be, excuse me, for this season. Because, you know, calling him the best backup in the country, you know, I think people took that the wrong way. It was gonna, he was going to have this sort of role for the team, I feel like. And, and that's what I'm most surprised by, I guess, is that we just we never saw what Will Howard was going to do. And I wonder if partly when Kleiman said that, if he had a vision for Will Howard and Messingham had a vision for Will Howard. And Messingham's vision for Will Howard was never getting on the field. He's going to be – he's just going to sit there. He's not going to be a part of the game plan. And Kleiman – wanted to find a way to get him on the field because that would be the only way that he would come out in week one without Will Howard even playing it. See, I think, I think not playing against Stanford, that doesn't say much. I think that's just kind of we didn't need him, plus we can hide our hand a little bit. And they probably would have waited until Nevada or conference play before they yeah. kind of wheel him out. But I, I just like, don't think he ever had, they ever got the chance because right. Messing was so against it. I think, it's, I think it was because Skyler went down injured. And then, oh, and then you yeah, have you've, you've got to keep because because if you lose Will doing you know if you're going to make him the runner and kind of mm-hmm. be like the Colin Klein type of quarterback where he's just going to get banged up like every other K State quarterback, you know, you, and you're trying to protect Skyler who's coming off of injury, but then he gets injured again. I feel like it became kind of this contingency plan where we don't we really don't want to go down to Jaron Lewis. My positive. <clears throat> Excuse me. My positive was the defensive end play. You lose Wyatt Hubert, Cleet Duke goes down. You're in big trouble, right? Nope. They were fine. Felix and DK Uzama ended up being a beast. Boom Massey played pretty solid football all year, and Nate Matlack came on, and they seemed reluctant to play him at first because he is still light for a defensive end. But he played great. Was he awesome? No. I mean, he once in a while he did have issues with. With the size of the lineman that he was going He's against. He's a freshman, though. Right, right. Now they get Duke back. They've got Matlack and Uzama. It's going to be fun. That's my big surprise, how good they were on defense up front in this transition to this. I was I was blown away. I have two. And, uh, but my downside is what you – I mm-hmm. thought the quarterback play behind Skyler was tragically mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. Tragically bad. And, uh, I mean – it forced them to bring in a senior quarterback for next year to give them another year. But I think we're going to see them start over in that room. I just do. I think my two good, um, I'll say Reggie Stubblefield. I think oh, yeah. that that is the first one that jumps out to me just because, you know, in the summertime we were wondering if he would even play. I mean, I think we all kind of thought he'd be like Eric Munoz, you know? Yeah. Not really just maybe kind of be there for just in case, you know, and, and not really play. But sure enough, uh, he he had an immediate impact. He became a fan favorite. And I think his attitude is going to be something that coaches show. His play, they're going to have whatever highlight tapes they make of this season. They'll have a few of his plays just to show the kids, this is what happens when you come to K-State. This is the guy who is invested, who used the transfer portal to his advantage. And even if he never plays another down of football, you say the name Reggie Stubblefield, and people are like, oh, yeah, I yeah, remember him. He was a good player. So I'll say him, then I'll say Daniel Green. because He was so good. I, I know people love watching Deuce Vaughn, but to me, I like watching Daniel Green more. You like the other Deuce. I do. That yeah. Deuce is, I mean, you want to say more impactful? If K-State didn't have Daniel Green, 
that defense looks a whole hell of a lot worse. Stubblefield's energy is infectious. I mean, we saw him running around after the game. Like he ran through the media room, what we used for the post-game press conference, to let his family in. I don't know what it was. He ran outside. Some club that they were trying to get into. I don't know. Yeah, He ran outside to talk to someone in his football pants with no shirt on, and it was not (laughs) warm out. It's pretty funny. Then he came back in, and as he's running back by, now we're talking to other players because we had Deuce and Skyler at the table. Now we're in the hallway, you know. Talking to other players in a group setting, and he—I can't remember who he said by. Maybe it was Daniel Green. It was Daniel. He ran by, said, "I love you, Daniel Green." As he ran into the, it was—I was funny. It was just funny. His energy is just running everywhere. I don't do that. I don't. I don't. I don't run everywhere. No. Next question comes from Kned once again. Where do you think the program is today without the Felix and Yudike Uzama safety versus Texas Tech? Oh, man. Isn't that great? That's if the program continues. brought the lumber yes, this week. If the program continues to ascend, will we look back at that play as being as important to the climate era as the 1993 comeback and goal line stand win at Minnesota was to the Snyder era? God, I forgot about that one, too. Man, I couldn't tell you that one. I don't even know what that is uh, either. Right. I, I, I was honestly, a I year old. Because, uh, and I mentioned it in a daily delivery I pre-recorded, but um, for me, the memory is of the 95 Cincinnati game when they had transitioned out of Chad May. You know, it's every program has that quarterback. You have, you have your Todd Reese. You know what I mean? You have that quarterback. But if you really want to stay good, who's next? K-State's in that position right now. But Matt Miller stepped in. They were losing at Cincinnati. They were playing terrible. They had no business winning that. And they won in the last play of the game with a beautiful play designed, essentially the same play they beat North Texas with to the other side of the field and a longer throw. That's the game I remember. But, um, yeah, I think it'll go up there because I, I don't think I ever remember another play. Now, those plays we've mentioned kind of changed the context of seasons. That changed the game on that moment, and from that moment on, in that game and then the next games, it was a different K-State team. It was like, we just got to play fast and furious and be focused on what we're doing. And that's what they started doing on defense. It didn't feel that big at the time, though. It did to me. Oh, it did. It did. Maybe being there in person was Yeah, it did to me because, yeah, that's exactly it. You felt everyone at Texas Tech go, oh, what was that? I mean, because it was a shocking play. It was. It wasn't a safety. It was a lightning bolt. I mean, the way he went about it was like, oh. So that was Roy Hobbs hitting the lights that's, in the natural. That's a pretty good comparison because that that is a historically accurate film, right? <laughs> Roy Hobbs was a real guy. Yeah, I think there, uh, yeah, go there's ahead, few plays that I can think of off the top of my head that define a season like that one did. I mean – that game was just so tragically bad for K-State up until that moment. And even when it was, you know, I was down there in that end zone, and I was just thinking, I'm like, man, they could really use a safety right here if they get it. And sure enough, Felix just comes around the end and boom. But it wasn't all it, it wasn't all candies and rainbows, that game. Nick Leonard's fumble, Texas Tech could have very easily scored and won the game. To me, the moment that defines the season, I agree that this – moment was huge and it could very well help to find the program but i still think the six sack i'm gonna say six sacks because he got six sacks against tcu that to me is the moment of the year let's go to the next wait oh i didn't i i had to delete it for time but there was a question about 
what happened to Felix's production after the TCU game. Oh, and it kind of, he kind of got a ton of attention. Bit. Yeah, he got. He, he never was. He's still very impactful, though. He, that's his, exactly it. Just because he isn't getting the sack doesn't mean he's not impactful. They're they're committing two guys. That was the weirdest thing about the TCU game. It almost felt like Gary Patterson was saying, screw you, left tackle. If you can't do your job, I'm going to embarrass you. It really did. They didn't give him any help. Everyone else realized we got to put a tight end over there. We got to chip with the running back. We got to go. We got to roll away from him. And people were really careful with him. They really were. It's a, it's a sign of great respect. But eventually, Nate Matlack will make that impossible. And Cleet Duke coming back will make that really difficult. Good luck doing that. Have fun because it ain't going to work. Next question from CW Powercat. Where do you rank Skyler on the all-time best quarterbacks at K-State? <clears throat> I have gotten this question quite a bit. I've done a lot of media. Look, he's not in the upper echelon. He's not Bishop or Klein or Roberson or even Michael Beasley for me. Jonathan Beasley. Jeez, John, Jonathan Beasley. Michael Bishop, Jonathan Beasley. Why? Why? Why does my brain not work? Because Michael Zach? Beasley why? screwed Zach? us up for a year. Why? Uh, Jonathan Beasley. I think that's – and Chad May. I think those are the upper five quarterbacks. And Chad mostly because of the impact he had. you got to have Chad to have everything else. In hindsight, Chad was a warrior, but not a great quarterback. I mean, he threw some ugly passes, but he was a warrior. Um, but he's he's solidly in there with the Jake Waters. Um, who else am I forgetting in here? Freeman. Matt Miller. Freeman. Yeah, he's solidly in there. Free, I, I think he's above Freeman. I, free. I think, I think right now that's my comparison, just because you know he came in with a new coach. Not, I mean, he didn't come in with a new coach, but right. Freeman comes in with a new coach. You know, they're there for you know three years or so. Um, you know, you remember Josh Freeman for being a quarterback. I don't know how memorable any of Skyler's true games are going to be. Maybe this Texas Bowl, but. Really, Skylar Thompson had some good games. You know, Oklahoma State 2017. The rally come back at Texas Tech in 2017. Yeah, that you know, his out. his freshman year. You know, there's games that stick out, but 10, 20 years from now, they're just going to be other games. And aside from the Texas Bowl, you know, don't get me wrong, Skylar deserved. Skyler deserved the Texas Bowl. He deserved that for everything he went through this year, for his entire career, really. Skyler deserved that win, and it capped off his career perfectly. But when you get down to the rest of the K-State quarterbacks, I think I, I put Jake Waters still. Since Colin Klein, Jake Waters is still going to be the top quarterback for me. Mm, okay, Even so, though he only played for two years, yeah. Jake Waters is is right up there. Um, you know, If we're going to give a top five, Michael Bishop, Bill Roberson, Jonathan Beasley, Colin Klein. Tried me. I'd go Jake Waters probably. That'd be, and, and it's probably just a lifetime yeah. type well, see, of thing. I'm going to go my lifetime of quarterbacks that I can remember sure. at K-State. Geez, so L's out? Do you remember L? The first you one I remember, remember is, this Josh is bad. Freeman. It's Josh Freeman. You know, that, no, it's not bad. That just says what your age is. Josh Freeman. Grant Gregory, was he the quarterback after Freeman? All right, well, that's bad. Okay, I, keep, I'm gonna, I got this in my head. Grant Gregory, Carson Kaufman, mm-hmm. yep. Colin Klein, mm-hmm. um, Jake Waters. Mm-hmm. Daniel Sams, kind of. Not really. Never started a game. Okay, but Jake Waters, Joe Hubner, after Jesse Ertz, and then Joe. Well, Jesse Ertz. yes, yeah. Joe, Joe Hubner was before Jesse Ertz was really the main one. Okay, Joe Hubner eight, and then 
Uh, Alex Delton. Briefly, yeah. And then Skyler. Cody Cook for a game. Ten <laughs> quarterbacks. That's interesting. The only guys that I would put over Skyler Thompson would be Jake Waters. Colin. And Colin Klein. Yeah. Hmm. So ten the out of the last ten quarterbacks, you could make an argument that Skyler is and, and which is really crazy country. because Josh Freeman was the last first round pick and he's not regarded as a great K State quarterback. He he wasn't a great quarterback. He was a gifted quarterback. But he wasn't physically. He had all the tools. Mentally, he did not. Are you surprised, real quick, that I remembered Grant Gregory? I am. I'm impressed. Grant was awesome. I truly don't. I couldn't Talk tell you lawyers. how many games Grant Gregory started or which games he started. I I truly do not remember. Like it really in my brain, it truly goes Josh Freeman, Carson Goffman. What's weird is I remember that he transferred, and I want to say it was from South Florida. Yeah, is that right? It was, yeah. I don't know why I know that. That's good, but. I mean, he played with a uh, injured shoulder the whole year. He was an absolute warrior. But yeah, he's up there. I mean, let's let's be fair here. His injuries set back everything. What what do we say of him if he plays that entire season last year, but still comes back and plays? You know, he might be way up there, but he didn't because of injuries. He lost chunks of two seasons. I mean, you put them together, he didn't play a full season in two years. So, yeah. It, but he got it done, and this game was a great way to go out. It was almost like storybook stuff. Mm-hmm. Last question of the podcast comes from a name. I don't know if – is his name Newt Podcast? No. no. Okay. He's well, been around. Maybe, maybe new to you. I've never Not read new to us. Mr. No Talent as Clown. Oh, I love that name. Um, do you foresee Skyler getting any NFL interest? <clears throat> His injuries are going to be a problem. I mean, that's a lot of history there. And more a problem for him than teams. I mean, his body is going to hate him in 10 years or less. Um, But, yeah, I mean, is he a starting NFL quarterback? No, he's not. But if he can carve out a career as an intelligent guy who can pick up offenses and be ready to play on a moment's notice – I think we've seen a few guys in the league that haven't played a whole lot of snaps and made a whole lot of money. You know, I mean, that that's a real thing in the NFL. The journeyman backup quarterback is a is almost a gift. You know what I mean? You're never going to get that big, huge contract, but over the course of your career, you're going to be a multimillionaire without getting the wear and tear on your body. That's or you not get a bad one setup. season and get a fat contract. Right. You know, Matt Flynn. Right. Savaris like Jackson. That. Yeah. You know. I'm I, I think Skyler I don't think he gets drafted. I know there's people think he's gonna get drafted, I but I don't think he'll get drafted because I think teams know that you could just sign him as an undrafted free agent, which I think is eventually what's gonna happen to him and he'll be in a preseason camp and he'll have a chance to make an NFL roster. I don't think he'll be a number two. He'll probably be a practice squad guy for yep. the first two years. Yep. But here's another thing to think of. If COVID continues to go at the pace it's going and this is something that we're going to have to live with and it's going to be a reality you need capable quarterbacks because you got to play the game because you're going to have to play skylar thompson will have a chance at some point to throw an nfl pass in his career that is my prediction i do not predict that because when you look at colin klein and you look at jake waters those are two guys that we regard as but Colin Klein's completely different. Colin Klein's different but compare let's compare skill sets to jake waters i think they're both similar 
similar guys, similar injury history a little bit. Jake Waters had some shoulder problems. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't make a roster. He gets cut in training camp at some mm-hmm. point, and that was basically it for Jake Waters. I think Jake I, Waters makes an NFL roster if he was in college today. I think the game has changed in the NFL to where there's no longer the super, super old. I mean, you, you said the journeyman NFL quarterback, backup quarterback is there, but there isn't that many as there used to be. There really isn't. I can only ah. think of a few off the top of my head. Obviously, Chase Daniel comes to mind, Chad Henney with the Chiefs. But if you look around, most of the backups are younger guys. The game is more athleticism at the quarterback position. The Roethlisberger era is passing. The Peyton Manning era is passing. The Tom Brady era is passing. I mean, he's still doing it, obviously. He just won the Super Bowl. But that big, stiff quarterback standing in the pocket, that's done. That's done. That You just can't do that anymore. you got to be elite to do it, and he was. He is. So maybe, maybe, I don't know. I All I know is if it doesn't work out, I wouldn't mind him following Colin's path and get into coaching, which I suspect probably he has interest in. I don't know. Um, I think he'd do a good job with it. We're going to need a quarterback coach after Colin's head coach, right? And I'm, am I getting too far down the line here? You're really far down the line. Like you it. better hope that Iowa job opens up, I guess. I'm not with your, against with your, with your dream I, scenario here. Well, what if the Packers come calling? Well, the Packers say, hey, Chris Kleiman, you're our man. Ross Uglum would be in dreamland. Oh, Ross would be so happy. Oh, he'd have all the best scoop, too. He would. He would have all the scoop on the Packers. That's it for this edition of the Powercat Questions podcast. The Three Amigos version. No Ryan Gilbert. It went really smoothly without him talking all the time. Talk, 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 talk. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.